Welcome back to another episode of Trust Me or Wrong by Robert Kersey. Just a couple days ago, the NBA um, approved two new rule changes uh, that we're going to get into. Um, we'll, we'll discuss those. And then what I did on May the 4th, um, I had already drew up some rule changes that I would make for the NBA if I was a commissioner. Uh, so we'll talk about that. But, but first, um, I have a self ad that I'm going to play. Peace. Are you tired of going to Instagram and not knowing who has the basketball knowledge and who doesn't? Are you tired of getting into arguments with in, uh, individuals that don't really know the game? Are you tired of not having a podcast to go to where you feel like the person that has the podcast knows what they're talking about? Well, look no further than trust me or wrong. We at Trust Me You're Wrong, it's really just me, but we at Trust Me You're Wrong encourage the basketball argument, the basketball debate. If you would like to come and argue or to come and debate on the show, DM me on Instagram at tmyw.podcast and we can get something going. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, now if you are just a regular person, regular fan that wants to talk basketball, we can do that. But I'm also looking for former athletes, regardless if you played soccer in high school or college, or if you play actually basketball in high school, or college, please get at me. I would love to hear your story. I would love to pick your brain and we can go from there. Now back to the episode. The NBA has approved two rules. The first one, which I will take talk about, which actually should have already been a thing. Let's see if I can read it. I want to be able to read it. Nah, I already know. So the first one is coaches will regain their challenge if they challenge a play and they win okay they will they will get a second one in that game and then the NBA also decided to penalize flopping with a technical foul now I'm not sure if it's a flop if if when they flop it's a technical foul and it's a team foul like a defensive three seconds where it doesn't necessarily go on to it uh, a player where they can get ejected from it or they will count it as if the player yelled in the referee's face or something like that right um let's see let's see let's see it's going to be very interesting how they are able to judge flopping because they actually uh nba refs can't even judge correct fouls or not so i think this is a little far-fetched and i think this will be an issue that's just me personally but I, I think the referees will have an issue with it when they first start 
and honestly it's not even one of those things where all first 20 25 games of the of the season they're struggling with it and then the rest they'll get better at it i think they'll struggle with this the uh the entire nba season next year just plainly uh, from the fact that they don't they already struggle with fouls like calling a regular foul so what makes you think that you can you can figure out when someone is trying to deceive you and try to um I make you believe that there was contact when there really wasn't. Uh, so that should be interesting to see. Um, the gaining your challenge back after you win it should have been a no-brainer, and that really, that honestly should have been it the first go-around when they created this rule. Um, but you know, I don't understand why it wasn't. But that's neither here nor there. Um. I like the rule changes. I like I like when um, the NBA makes rule changes. I, I appreciate that. You're always trying to better. You're always trying to better the game. You're always trying to stop like spamming or something. Because uh, more than likely, definitely the 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 flopping was a was an issue that they had to fix. Um. I just can't wait to see how they judge flopping now. I can't. I can't wait. I actually can't wait. Um, but what I wanted to also talk about, uh, like I said, on May fourth, I created a list of rule changes I would make for the NBA. Uh, so I'm going to read these off to you. The first one: allow grabbing the ball once it hits the cylinder. That's how FIBA plays. That's how overseas players uh, play. Uh, that's how when the USA goes to the Olympics, uh, that's how they play. Uh, so what you have to do is once the ball hits the rim, you can grab it. So if it's bound, if it, so say the ball bounces and it bounces straight up, still in the cylinder, you can knock it out of there. You can, you can go up and grab it, stuff like that, right? It's already tough to stop a pro NBA player. So I think that you should allow this, um, you know, bring that over from overseas play. Uh, the NBA already wants to look more and more like the overseas anyway. So you might as well just bring that back. Um, bring back hand checking. Like I said, it's already a tough time to guard an NBA player. Um, But I think they have to get a handle on hand checking. I feel like the NBA never had a handle on it. So there wasn't a rule in the, uh, I feel like in the rule, but that was like, you're allowed to hand check. I think they just allowed it. And then once it got out of control, like the flopping, they had to do something about it. But if you put some type of parameters or guidelines around it, so like say a guy, so say Pat Bell, who me personally, I feel like would fit perfectly in the era of hand checking. Um, say he picks someone up full court. And say he has his hand on him, on his hip, all the way up, all the way up the sideline, all the way to like half court. 
that would be a foul. Now, if he has his hand on him, moving it out the way, hand on him, moving it out the way, hand on him, that's okay. There's ways around hand checking. I I personally hand check when I when I hoop. Once I put my hand on your hip, it's kind of done. To be honest with you, um, I can direct where where I want you to go. Um, and then once they start that drive down the hill, that's when I move my hand. Uh, and then that's where my length comes into play. But like I said, bring back hand checking. I think, it, like I said, with the flopping, it's our, um, it's already hard. Not with the flopping, but with the uh, grabbing the ball out the cylinder, it's already tough to stop an NBA player. Uh, so you might as well just help the defense out a little. And we haven't really seen. I think flopping might be the rule that helps the defense a little. So I think that might help the defense a, a lot this year. But we'll have to see. Um, give an assist. Give a give the assist man 0.5 of an assist if the score is fouled and missed one of two free throws. So boom, Russell Westbrook drives the lane, dishes it off to Stephen Adams, gets fouled. So now it's a shooting foul, right? No assist. Say. Steven Adams goes to the line after Russ gave him the, the pass to get to the line. Misses the first one, makes the second one. That is point, now, now that is, Russ has .5 of an assist. So say he has already had seven assists at the time of that pass. Now he has 7.5 assists in the game. I think that's... I don't think... I feel like um, a lot of these I had to look up. Well, not a lot. Some of these I looked up just because I wanted the list to have some type of depth to it. But I, I created that one personally myself. I think that would be kind of interesting. Um, to be honest, because there's a lot of assists that happen that I feel like doesn't get counted for, like the hockey assists um, or the screen assists, stuff like that. That's not really brought up to uh, regular fan knowledge. You have to kind of be a basketball mind and just a basketball geek to really know that there's such thing as a screen assist and to even know who's like like you know, down there the the goat at the screen assist which I'll give him his props it is Rudy Gobert um when he was in Utah I believe he led the league in screen assist for probably like three to four years or something like that uh, so I think that will work out pretty well. Let's see. See, on here on May 4th, like I said, uh, give challenge back if coach wins. But not under five minutes in the fourth. So say, so say uh, Darvin Ham. So say Darvin Ham, coach of the Lakers, has a time, I mean, has a challenge, and it's three minutes left in the game challenge it gets it correct he does not get that challenge back it's under five minutes in the game mm, or should it be under two something like that i don't know i don't work for the nba i'm just you know a podcast as ideas next one change three seconds in the key to five like I said, it is tough to stop a NBA player. Excuse me. It 
it is very tough to stop an NBA player. And one of the things that I find interesting, and I can't wait till I actually record that episode with my with my big cousin. Uh, but my cousin Neil said that you really can't even play zone correctly in the NBA because in college and overseas, well, I don't know if there's three seconds in the paint overseas, but I know in college and high school, the zone, like there's no, there's no three seconds. So that middleman can stay there, you know, and, and protect the goal or whatnot, protect the, you know, that, that, that area. And I feel like they should at least do that. If you're not going to get rid of three seconds in the paint in the, in, in the NBA, um, I think you should add five or add two more seconds to it because there's already no defensive three seconds. I think I think the rule is there's no defensive three seconds if the ball is within the free throw line or something. I don't know because Draymond Green was getting away with that a lot against Russell Westbrook when they were, when they played on uh, last season. He would like just sag in the paint. I gotta, I gotta find that rule. Um, but change it to five, so teams can run zone correctly. And I like the fact that teams are running zone. I think it's very, um, it shows. Honestly, it shows that you just can't guard an NBA player anymore one on one. So you have to use zone. Uh, I have add one more roster spot to the All Star game. Self explanatory. You might as well go from twelve to thirteen. It's just too many good players nowadays. There's no reason why you should limit it to twelve. Get it to like thirteen or fourteen, something like that. Keep conferences and divisions, but rank the teams one through thirty, like the NCAA. NCAA ranks them one through twenty-four. Rank all. Keep keep the conference. Keep the divisions, but also you have just take they they already have this it's called the power rankings but they don't they don't have they don't promote that with a lot of you know oh look at this it's the power rankings they just have power rankings but if like at on a regular season game say the subjects are the ranked the third best team you put that next to their their icon on the nba game when it's televised like any other like like it is in college i think that gives teams a little more pride to actually like you're on live television and we see what your team is ranked so i think that'll give teams a little more pride um just loosen the leave the bench rule now i don't know Back when it was COVID, um, there was in the bubble, there was a whole lot of space because there wasn't any uh hype fans and there wasn't any photographers. So there was a lot of space for players to like land and fall and slide through, right? They were a little safer, able to control their land instead of like landing on a camera lens or landing on a, a fat guy's ankle or falling over another human being. And then once they came back when they were playing for their uh, in their correct arenas, but there were little to no fans. Players were all on the side because where the courtside fans were, they would 
they were putting players. Um, so I, I felt like players got used to that quickly. And so like the, the bench is kind of like a, like a hangout spot low key. What thing you got the issue of like, still to this day when Amari Starmeyer and Boris Diaw left the bench. But if I feel like if you're leaving the bench to go, first of all, you should be allowed to leave the bench one because baseball for any reason they just they the bullpen comes in from the outfield that's so far you got to run there so if i'm a bullpen player i I hope punches are being thrown so i can get some type of action to make it worth my my long bond job and in, in hockey i mean not hockey but in baseball they they uh they clear that bench for they clear the dugout for no reason like two players could just be talking the whole team the whole both dugouts are empty um, bring back hack shack stop penalizing teams for having strategy because it's not my fault that a team, one of a team's most valuable players, can't shoot free throws. So, back in the day, not even, we, won't, we won't even talk about Shaq. We'll talk about DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan was is a pro player back in the day in his prime with the, with the Clippers. Could not shoot free throws, sir. That is not my fault. If I am a coach coaching against him. That is not my fault he can't shoot free throws. It's not my fault that my player at the end of my bench that does not play can't shoot free throws. It's not even my fault that it's it's a, like my third best player might shoot free throws poorly. Get in the gym. There should be no excuse on why we are cradling these pro players because they can't shoot free throws. That is not my problem. That is not my fault. That is not another. That is not an opposing team's fault because you can't shoot free throws and your and your feelings are hurt. Get in the gym. Next one, I got two more. Then we're gonna get up out. Uh, get up out of here. Shots behind half court count as four points. Now this is far fetched. This is a little far-fetched, but the reason I came up with this is, is because if you realize when there's like two seconds left and a team has to bring the ball up the court, players will purposely take their time and let the time run off and then fire the shot off so it doesn't hurt their percentage. But if you express to them that you get a extra point by doing that, one that it, that might encourage a little more, uh, players to take those shots and also you can it's like a dry test of the four point line so if you get some if you get like you know 10 15 players to actually start taking those shots you can see how interested they are in four points so if they if you see how they are interested in the four points and there's not necessarily a four point line then that's something you can flirt with down in the G League at a four point line something like that I think that could help 
Now, shooting behind the half-court line, and it count as four points. It's kind of like halftime showish, gimmicky, if you must. But I think it can work. This is the last one. A shot clock violation doesn't happen unless offensive player touches the ball. So, say two seconds left on a shot, uh, shot clock. Player loses the ball. And the buzz, the shot clock is going off, but the ball still rolling. If a defensive player picks that up, it is not a shot clock violation. It's usually a shot clock violation if a player does not get their hand on the ball. If the defensive player doesn't get their hand on the ball in time, then you can start the fast break. Let's say the buzz is already going off and the ball still rolling. The defensive player picks it up. That's a live ball. That just that personally right there, you, you know. Um, NBA, you don't have to take that one. Um, I would say, me personally, that kind of like speeds up the game. Doesn't allow for a lot of um. It doesn't allow for a lot of like dead ball situations. And it gives you more uh, fast break opportunities. I guarantee you if they apply that rule, the uh, fast break uh, numbers for a team average or a player average will go up. I got more stuff in my mail of write-ups I did when I was at a certain job. So, um... I'm gonna I'm gonna do more. I'm gonna do more and we're gonna see how these go. Appreciate y'all listening. I'm dropping this probably today and I I'm definitely dropping ooh, I'm dropping a lot today. I'm dropping this today and then be on the wear out on the YouTube channel for Trust Me or Wrong. I'm posting the part two of when Pablo played 21. And I'm posting part one or the first game when me, Derek, Ralph, Tiso played. And it was both up. Yeah, both were mic'd up. So y'all take it easy. Um, if you want to argue about basketball, talk about basketball, anything, come on the podcast, hit my line. Because I can't wait to tell you. Trust me, you are wrong. Peace.